This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Kelly Henderson, and you're listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast. This week, my guest is Sarah Jane Case. She is the founder of the Enneagram and Coffee podcast and Instagram. I am personally pretty obsessed with learning about the Enneagram personality test and just seeing how each different type reacts and responds to life from their different lenses. It's truly helped me in business and my relationships, and Sarah Jane and I are breaking down the basics of the Enneagram and just why it works. She's also helping me to understand all the different facets, which there are a lot of different facets to this test, um, and just where to go to learn more. So here's our conversation. Okay, so I need to hear about Enneagram and coffee because you started this this social media site and this podcast, and within a year you have over like half a million followers. Yeah, it, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> it's crazy. It really took me by surprise too. I thought I was going to make this account for like my mom, yeah, and my husband to follow, and no one else was going to be interested. Yeah, it blew up, and it went from zero to a hundred thousand in three days. So it was like what? watching the Super Bowl. Yeah, like how? So what? What were you even posting? Did it just go viral? It went viral. Yeah. The, the first thing that really took off was po- like I did bingo cards for each type. Can you and explain what that is for people who might not follow you yet? Yeah, totally. So um, essentially, it's just I just made like like a replica of a typical bingo card and then put the number in the center and then put like kind of really honestly like stereotypes of each number um, in the boxes. And because at this time I wasn't thinking anyone would see it. I was just making it for fun and um, people just ran with it and took them and shared them. And I think it comes from that place of like wanting to be seen. So it's like, yeah, Oh, I see myself in this and I want other people to see me too. Um, And it just, yeah, people were sharing it in their stories and it just went crazy. So we mentioned that you have a podcast and I was listening to one of them where you talked about just what that felt like and growing so fast, how great it was, but also some of the hard things that can come from that. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah. I mean, I think that it's interesting because I think I would have thought before when I saw other people go through this, like, oh, your entire life is different now. Yeah. And and what it really felt like for me on the back end was just kind of like panic. <laughs> like I, I was, there's a lot of like crying and because it, I mean, it kind of felt like my energetic boundaries were being stretched to hold space for people at a rapid pace yeah. that I hadn't, you know, I hadn't prepared for. It wasn't a slow integration. It was a rapid shift in how many people were watching me and seeing me and, um, judging me and thinking about me it was really intimidating honestly so what did you do before because were you in some sort of business consulting kind of thing yeah I was working with business owners and primarily helping them to kind of maintain that creative spark work with through burnout or prevent burnout recover from it um, to really create businesses that served like the lifestyle they wanted to live instead of letting their business dictate that and I was using the Enneagram a significant amount in the last few years of doing that business, um, but really just trying to get to know business owners and help them to edit their businesses down. So when you say you're using the Enneagram, what do you mean? Yeah, so I, um, when, before I knew the Enneagram, what I would do is I would get to know that person, right? I would say, well, what drives you? What motivates you? What demotivates you what where are you losing momentum once I found the Enneagram I was able to help them see the areas in which they were motivated or demotivated that they may not have even realized because I think the Enneagram is like you know one of my favorite teachers she teaches it she says the Enneagram is the water you're swimming in and so you don't always know you're in it and so oh, the Enneagram so interesting. yeah so it let me get to like depths with people relatively quickly that I wouldn't have been able to get to otherwise. You mentioned earlier about um, people really being drawn to your Instagram because maybe it was the thing of being seen. Do you think that that is why we have such a fascination with the Enneagram right now? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, I think culturally we're in an era where we're demanding a lot of personal responsibility from people mm. and, our, and from ourselves and the Enneagram's like straightforward. Here's your stuff and here's what you need to be looking at. And so I think partially, yeah, we want to be seen. We want to be known. And I think also we want to take responsibility for what we're bringing to the table and we want other people to do the same. So I do want to talk about how you used it specifically more in your businesses, but let's like, let's do a little <laughs> breakdown because I, I will tell you this, I have been studying, you know, or just I've taken the test, I've read some books, I've, I don't know if studying is exactly the right word, but I've been aware of the Enneagram for a couple years now. And the more I dig into it, sometimes the more confused I get. <laughs> yeah. There's so many different like wings and subtypes there. It just never, mm -hmm. never seems to stop with the learning. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I, and there's so many different schools of teaching and ways that people talk about it that it can be. Um, there's a lot of opinions in, in the Enneagram. That what makes do you it mean? Change. Like one teacher might teach line like the lines of integration and disintegration. Um, I teach lines of stress and rest. Um, you know, I know people who teach it as stretch and release, and they all have kind of slightly different variations of the way they discuss it and talk about it, which yeah. I think can be really disorienting. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So let's like break it down for people. So there's nine types on the Enneagram, correct? Correct. Yes. Give Each us the one. basics. <laughs> yeah. So, 
the way I like to talk about it is I is that the Enneagram, when you find your Enneagram type, you're essentially discovering the story that you tell yourself about who you have to be in order to be okay, in order to be loved, in order to be safe. Okay. So um, each number is driven by a different basic motivation, a different basic fear, and a different story that they believe they have to be in order to be okay. And um, within that, so that's the basic structure. And within that, you have wings, which is the number on either side. So the Enneagram symbol is a circle, and it's numbered one through nine. And on either side is your wings. So these, you have both wings available to you at any time. But most of us kind of lean into one or the other. So what that means is the numbers on either side of your number um, have you pull in the characteristics and the strengths and the weaknesses from those numbers as well. Um, most of the time we have a dominant, but some people are kind of balanced out. So when you say balanced out, I was going to ask you that. Like you can, can you show both sides? Like I'm a four, which mm-hmm. I know your husband is because I've been listening yeah. to your podcast. So I, I have lots four. of questions about that. But um, so if I'm a four, you know, there's some days where I definitely identify with a lot of the characteristics of a three, but mm-hmm. could I still pick up some stuff from a five as well? For sure. Um, and likely, you know, that dominant wing is pretty prevalent for okay. a lot of people. Um, you can intentionally pull in those skills of a five as a way to kind of intentionally balance them out because there's, there's a school of belief that I am a fan of that says that the goal is to have balanced wings because the number on either side of you can really offer you a lot to round out the the strengths and weaknesses of your personality. So for a four, the threes are very action oriented. Um, They're very good at taking action on the things they think about. So that probably serves you well. And then the other, the side of five is that there's a lot of like deep integrative knowledge Mm -hmm. um, that you can pull in as a five, a lot of observing, a lot of not reacting to emotions or feelings, but instead processing them, thinking through them and using logic to balance them out. And all of that's useful to a four. So you have your specific personality type, which mine is a four, like I'm saying, but I can pick up characteristics of both sides. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about um, the sh- you mentioned was it stress and how do you yeah. how do you interpret it? Stress and rest. Stress and rest. Okay. So let's talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is my favorite element of the Enneagram and probably because it's the most action oriented in my mind. Um, So essentially each number goes to a different number in a season of stress or if they feel or a season of rest. So um, your number might go, you know, goes to type two in stress. Mm -hmm. And so what that can look like is you show up in the lower level types like behaviors of type two when you're stressed out. Another way to think about it is that if you start, a lot of times we see another number and we think we're supposed to act like that number um, according to like society or expectations. So, and then by trying to live as that number, it can be really stressful for you. So um, a four trying to constantly live as a two is going to be a really stressful experience or it's an indicator that you need self-care. Yes, that makes, because for me, when I get stressed out, for some reason, I tend to start taking care of everyone else, like worrying about everyone else's needs. And I think that is a two, right? The helper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it is super draining for me. Right, right. It's not need you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Really. And what what's interesting to me is because is the belief that you can climb up any of any of those lines or slide down either of those lines. So you can actually intentionally regularly pull in some of the high side of two, which is going to be like thinking about other people like, a, you know, more often really mm-hmm. asking good questions, integrating that love and um, that warmth, that like community relational side of a two into your everyday life, which can actually prevent you from getting to those low level behaviors of what, a type two. What do you oh for of the type two? Yeah. And that stress state. So how would you pull on that if you're not in your stress, though? Yeah, so it would be more intentional. Um, think, so I like about another way to think about this, let's take it out of you and put it into a different person. So um, as a type 7, I'll, I go to type 1 in stress. Okay. So the low-level indicators, right, that I need some self-care or, like, I get perfectionistic, yeah. I get judgmental, um, but – but if I can regularly integrate the high-level behaviors of type 1, like organization, structure, um, being like high-minded, like thinking ethically, then I can every day make, make a little bit better decisions that serve my stress levels in the long term. Okay. So you're just aware of it, and so then you can pull out and draw from that positive part yeah. of it. So yes. every number has – like. For instance, I have a friend who is an eight and she, when she found out she was an eight, she was devastated (laughs) because she was reading some of the harder characteristics of an eight and she can't get, you know, and I kind of feel that way about the four. I think that's a very typical thing. You you see the bad parts of it, but every number has strong characteristics or positive traits and maybe some negative ones too. Correct. Correct. And I think it's the most common experience to read your number and think you got the bad one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think the work really is recognizing that every single number has shadow and every single number has light. There's no good. There's no bad. We're just all human. Okay. And so it's really more about learning or this is what I'm taking from the Enneagram lately, at least mm-hmm. is it's about learning how you react and respond to certain situations so that you can become your higher self and like knowing what your triggers are. Like you said, maybe what your fears are coming from, what the, the story in your head is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about recognizing what you think you have to be, but you don't have to be. So you, you know, as, as a seven, I think I have to be free. I have to get what I want all the time. I have uh-huh. to have options available to me, but it's about unlearning that and recognizing that I'm actually okay. If those things don't happen, I'm still fine. Um, and the same thing for AIDS, AIDS really fear being controlled or not being in control. And, um, and that can exhibit in multiple ways, but it's actually like, it's just about deciding you don't have to do that or be that. I found it so interesting to listen to the podcast you did with your husband because a four and a seven seems very different to me. So (laughs) is in, you kind of just touched on that, but you talked about like fours were very intense in our emotions and our feelings and how sometimes you would be, you could be in a room with him and think that you were going to get sucked into his emotions. Mm -hmm. And so that's something you've learned, right? How to tell yourself that that is not happening. Yes. And that's mine, right? Like it's not his job to make me feel better about that. It's my job to own that. I have that fear. That is interesting. So is there, are there certain numbers that do better in relationship with each other than others? I honestly believe that any number can be together. It's really just about if you're willing to do the work, you know, I think it's, 
just in anything, if you're on the higher average to high level health of, it, of your number, it's going to be a lot easier to be in relationship in general um, versus if you're not paying attention, if you're not aware that it's going to be trickier no matter what number you're with. Right. Okay, so we talked about the wings, but then there's also subtypes. When this, so this is, see, this is where I start to be like, what? There's so many different things, parts of the Enneagram. So yeah. you say that subtypes are actually more important to know about than your wings. I believe so, yeah. Why? Because I think they offer more distinction. Okay. Um, yeah, because, you know, just like you can meet, you, Kelly as a type four and then I can meet my husband as a type four and you're going to be very different and very um and part of that you know you're going to have your unique flavor right. and I think that the flavor of the subtype is actually way more intricate and in-depth because it's the subtypes are essentially your survival mechanism it's what you think you have to do to survive so that could be like procreation or intimacy it can be um having a social network being socially accepted and it can be having like um, all the food and, and warmth and safety that you need. And that's really deeply, just as deeply ingrained as your worldview, if not more, and can really intensely flavor the way you're going to show up as your number. So how do you figure out your subtype? Is well, that that's one of those things. Yeah, that's one of those things that's so tricky in the Enneagram because different schools do teach it differently. Right. Um, I'm personally a fan of the work of Beatrice Chestnut because she's given us very distinct descriptors of each number um, and each subtype of each number. So I encourage you guys to read her book, The Complete Enneagram. Okay. It breaks down all of the numbers really beautifully um, and all of their subtypes. So there's 27 subtypes. Is that right? Yes, 27 subtypes. And actually, um, one of, like, some of our earlier teachers, when they brought the Enneagram to the mainstream, they taught it as there are 27 types, not just nine types. Oh, I see. And so then it got a little more specific. I was reading, I took the, um, the I nine Enneagram test, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I have, you know, a pretty extensive breakdown of, I love how that's Ian Morgan Cron and that's how he completely breaks down how you react in certain situations, why you're, what you're driven by. Um, and, I'm reading right now on one of my sheets, but he's talking about like, I'm a social four. Mm -hmm. So is that my subtype? Yes. That's your subtype. That's a subtype. Okay. So what are some other examples of subtypes or different definitions of that? Yeah. So there's three, if we all have all three subtypes, it's just that which one's dominant. So okay. the different types, there's one-to-one, -one, which just means that you value like one-to-one -one connection um, and one-to-one -one intimacy. Um, and then there's social, which just means that you really, it's important to you to fit into the social order, to know where you stand in the social order. Um, and then we have self-preservation, self which means you want to be safe, you want to be fed, you want to have everything you need um, in, in order to feel like you're going to survive. Like that's your plan for survival, essentially. And we all have all three, we all need all three, but usually one kind of rises to the surface as our dominant. If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were. 
which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code VELVETSEDGE at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. So, like, what would a difference be between a number that's a social number and then one that's like a self-pres? Like, what are, what are your reactions to life or how are they different? Mm-hmm. So I can talk about fours if that makes if that's comfortable for you. Sure. Okay. So a social four is going to be a little bit more internal. Um, so they're going to be more aware of how where they stand in like the stacking of things. So if people if they fit into the social order, if they don't fit in, and that can create a little bit of hyper self awareness for the four, um, and often can have them like kind of holding on to the negatives that people say about them and not holding on to the positive things that get said about them. Um, so a lot of the I'm work laughing is like, because it's so true for me. Okay, yeah, <laughs> a lot of the work is really believing that you're wanted and valued and that people see the good in you. Mm-hmm. Um, And then for our self-preservation fours, they actually are the counter type. So what that means is they show up differently in behavior than they show up in, even though they have the same motivations, the same beliefs, the same worldview, their behavior might be different. So while um, a social four might be very comfortable with suffering and not not feel like they need to escape it, a self-preservation for is going to want to want to prove that they can suffer and still be happy. So they're going to look a little bit more like jovial, a little bit more light. They can get mistyped as a seven um, because that's why you, you know, you meet like very sunshiny fours and people are like, you're not a four. Yeah. They might be the counter type. They might be a self-pressed four whose main mission is to prove that they can suffer and be resilient. Um. And then we have the the one to one four, which is a lot more intense, a lot more fiery. 
might lead with like what looks like anger. They might be a little bit more revenge oriented and really feel like they're suffering and other, you want other people to suffer too. Do you find that people mistype themselves a lot? Because you just said something about like a uh, self-preservation for might look like a seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And honestly though, I think that gets messiest when other people try to speak into your typing process. What do you mean? Because, like when it, most people, I think when they read through the numbers can get a general idea of who they are pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But then when other people come in, so like a, a self-preservation for reading type four might see themselves in it pretty clearly. But then someone else will be like, we well, don't seem like a four because you're really happy because they have like a very base knowledge of, of the Enneagram and they don't quite understand the complexity that can live in it. Right. Um, and so that can create confusion for people. So if you think like I resonate with type four, but everyone's telling me I'm not, then you might explore a bunch of different numbers until, you know, you finally get the validation that you are in the right place. Well, I actually, when I first took the Instagram, Instagram, I'm sorry, Enneagram test, I, um, I took like, I think a free one online or something and I got a two. And mm-hmm. I just kept being like, you know, there's definitely parts of a two I identify with, but I just kept feeling that thing of like, this just doesn't fully feel like me. Totally. And um, it wasn't until I recently took this new, the I-9 test that it's just so much more extensive. And then when I read the breakdown of the four, even the bad stuff, I was like, that is so me. Like I couldn't deny it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's actually pretty common to mistype on, especially those free tests, because they're asking you about kind of social norm things. Like, do you think it's important to care about people? Right. Do you think it's important <laughs> to be helpful? And so we're going to, of course, we're going to say yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like my mom said too. So. Right. Yeah. You don't want to be a monster. <laughs> right. And so that gets really confusing. And that's why I really love the, the IEQ 9 because it's, it's 95% accurate. They ask you questions in like a myriad of different ways. Mm-hmm. They reorganize them and you really get a full on report of your number, which is pretty cool. You just said it correctly. I've been saying I nine it's IQ nine and you can find it. I think it's on, is it Ian Morgan Cron? Is that how you say his last name? Dot com. He has a really good book too called the road back to you that I've it taught me a lot about the Enneagram. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Then I want to also talk about like in the breakdown of the numbers, like I know the two, the three and the four, what we operate from a heart place. Is that right? And Mm -hmm. can you talk about those different breakdowns? I obviously don't know specifically the breakdown of the numbers, but there's different places that we come from with all of our emotions and the way we navigate through life. Right. Yeah. So the two, three and the four are in the image triad. Um, which essentially means you're aware of how you're being perceived and have an idea of how you would like to be perceived. So type twos want to be seen as lovable and likable. Type threes want to see, be seen as successful. Type fours want to be seen exactly how they see themselves. Um, and then we have types five, six, and seven, which are in the anxiety triad. Um, so they kind of lead with thought, lead with, tr- you know, th- overthinking things mm-hmm. tend to live in their heads. And then eight, nine, and one are in the anger triad and they have a complex relationship to anger. So maybe they lead with anger. Maybe they repress anger. Um, maybe they, you know, become passive aggressive because they try to put their anger to the side. Okay. This is interesting because in my life, I keep bumping up against eights and mm-hmm. 
in multiple different places in my life, that is a, is a difficult relationship for me. But is this what you're saying about like, it's an awareness thing. And so like is, or is that just like my number and the number eight are just going to kind of butt heads all the time? Yeah, I'm not, you know, I can't, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think for me, it's interesting because I find eights really relaxing to be around uh-huh. And I, and I can see the natural conflict in a four and an eight because as a seven, I value, or as, as me, I value, um, when I know where I stand with someone. So if an eight is like, I don't like you, I'm like, Oh, thank you. I know. Uh I don't have to worry about it. Um, and it doesn't really harm me, right? It doesn't hurt me to be told someone doesn't enjoy my company. Um, in fact, it relaxes me because I trust that if you want to be with me, you will. And if you don't, you won't. Right. Um, whereas I think for fours, they tend to be a lot more um, tender to to feedback. And so um, when you're interacting with someone who has very strong opinions and will tell you them without cushioning them or softening them, um, when you're someone who's going to hold on to all of the harmful things that get said to you and release all the positive, you have kind of like um, a, a natural emptying cup, right? Like you're, so when you are around people who are going to give it to you straight and aren't softening that, it can be really hard, I imagine. Right. And you, fo- and we focus on the one negative versus the, yes. or the, my type of a four does. Yeah. Um, and versus like a hundred positive comments that come your way. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, that's like a huge thing for me on social media is I can have all this positivity and one, mm-hmm. one hater and I can only think about the hater. I've had to really learn how to not focus on that. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Um, okay, so how do you feel like the Enneagram just in general has affected your life or the people around you's life? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really, it's interesting. You know this about me. Like, I've been sick for a while. Like, I had the flu and it turned into pneumonia mm-hmm. and I'm still in recovery. It's been like two months. And, um, and, and I say that to say that it's been really interesting to see what I thought I had to be in order to be loved. You know, the stories that I had around, you know, if I'm not happy, if I'm not the joy in the room, if I'm not the sunshine, then will people in my life still want to be around me? Um, And the the work of the Enneagram has given me the language to say to my husband, like literally ask him, like, are you okay that I'm not happy right now? Are you going to be comfortable if I'm not smiling at you today? Um, Just because I feel so crummy, I don't have much more to give. Right. And I don't think I could have pre-Enneagram had the understanding of myself well enough to know that that's even what was coming up. I think I would have just been really defensive, really reactive, um, kind of closed him off as a self-defense mechanism. Um, But now I have the awareness of like, oh, I feel vulnerable. I feel like I can't be what I'm supposed to be. Um, It just gives us so much insight and language to what maybe we might not have known otherwise. That is so fascinating. So what did you do? Like when you've been sick, how did you act any differently or did you just allow yourself to be? Yeah. So as as most sevens, we have this feeling that we have to constantly be entertaining ourselves and constantly be busy. And I don't like to sit still very much, but when you have pneumonia, you don't really have much of a choice. (laughs) And so it really it really allowed me when I would, I rested really intentionally because I knew I'm going to be very tempted to not take rest, to not enjoy the experience of rest. So I had to intentionally make myself enjoy the process of what it feels like to be restful, um, for what my home feels like, 
how it feels to be in this space. And then also just express anytime I felt discomfort around not being happy or excited or, um, you know, a delight to be around, I I would just communicate with my husband and say, Hey, do you still love me? Even though I'm not a delight to be around right now. Right. And he could have then have the opportunity to say, yes, of course. And I think for so long, I didn't feel like I could or know how to even ask that question. Did you find a difference in how, um, like, I don't know if this is a fair question or not, but like, did he have a difficult time processing you in that capacity? Because he's so used to you being a certain way. Yeah. So for him, because his type pattern gets triggered, for him, he assumed everything, every time I was upset, it was with him. Right. Um, and that he had done something. And so it was interesting because he would, he got really good at asking, are you upset with me? Or like, what's going on with you? And then I could say like, no, you've done, you've been a perfect angel. Like he literally was a perfect angel. Like took care of everything. Like yeah. I, like the idea of me being mad at him in that moment is like inconceivable because he was keeping me alive, you know, right. <laughs> eating me, like, um, everything. And so it was interesting for me to see that come up in him to even think for a second that I would have any negative thoughts about him in the time that I loved him the most. Um, so we were able to kind of get underneath those layers and real have the real conversation. Right. Which is just so interesting to think about if we don't have this awareness about our personalities or where we're coming from, it's just to think of all the miscommunications that could happen in a relationship right. because of that. Yeah. Because you don't know why you uh-huh. know people are doing what they're doing or why you're even doing what you're doing. Yeah. That's been one of the big things too. I love this breakdown that I got after I took that test because It talks about, you know, how you would perceive certain things in stress or how you might respond to certain situations in business or in a love relationship. And that's been super helpful to me because, you know, I think so many times I can only speak for myself, but I'm looking at the world through my lenses and I can't process how someone else's lens could be different. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I just get frustrated. You know, you're like, wait, but how can you not see it this way or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Because it's how you see it. Yeah. You know, there's um, type one kind of gets a bad rap for being judgmental. Uh-huh. And I actually heard a type one say recently, they're like, you know, my whole life, I thought that my inner critic was the voice of God and that everyone else was just disobeying. Wow. And I was like, that's the most powerful concept I've heard because I think that that like they thought like oh you guys are just choosing right to not do the right thing wow that's eye-opening it's super (laughs) eye-opening because I think we all have the stories in our head so yeah you can make up whatever it is you want about another person based off of your perception wow Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so as a person who has obviously studied the Enneagram a ton, what do you do now to keep learning? Like, where are you going? What kind of resources are you finding? Yeah. So I, um, I am just like, I'm so into the Enneagram that I read every book that I can, um, that's been written or gets written. Um, but I, and I did my first, I did a certification through the integrative nine. Um, they're more business based. Okay. And then, um, I'm going through the, the process of getting a second through the narrative tradition, the narrative school of the Enneagram. And they're a lot more holistic, a lot more somatic, 
um, and a little bit more personal about it. So like relational and, um, you know, reaching that higher self side of things. Yeah. One of the things I loved, I did mention Sarah Jane has a podcast called Enneagram and coffee and you also really tie in a lot of like business, um, just way the ways that people would respond in business situations, or I like the ones about the entrepreneur stuff, because even just finding like your motivation and what's going to help you to get up and like get going, which for each different type is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I think like one of my greatest passions is releasing the shame that can happen as entrepreneurs, especially in this creative market where so many of us are entering into entrepreneurship there's so much belief around what an entrepreneur should be and oh, there's so many fears and, and motivations and things that get in the way of the ability to show up as like whatever this ideal is that I don't think anyone's actually doing. Um, but yeah, so I, I really want to kind of break down those ideals and, and get honest about what you want and how that works. So what do you, what do you feel like the perception of what an entrepreneur should be doing is? everything you know I think like people go to these conferences and you listen to you know speakers like me (laughs) and tell you how how you're supposed to run your business and then you try to apply the tools and tricks that everyone they are taught even though they're teaching from their perspective right and and most people they kind of give their their authority of their business over to these people that they're learning from instead of really filtering through, well, what serves me? What do I need? Which things can I let go and which things can I hold on to? Instead, they go home, they try to implement everything that they learned and ultimately end up implementing nothing and then just feel like they failed. Something that I've been learning, the more I've learned about my number and what drives me is to surround myself with, you know, the people that I work with around me. Um, who can really tap into maybe the, the strengths that my number doesn't get to, you know, like to make the business run successfully. Totally. Yes. I love that. Yeah. It's so interesting. Valuing. I think sometimes too, when we hire people, especially we hire people who are different than us to do that. And then we don't value what they bring to the table because it triggers our type pattern. Right. Yeah. So do you, do you have recommendations for people who may be just starting out or who are like, what did y'all just talk about? What are all these numbers? Like what's a, you know, Enneagram for dummies kind of route to go? Yeah. So, um, you know, I really encourage people to go to, I think Enneagram Institute has just the most beautiful write-ups of each number. Um, the most, like they're very thorough, very thought out. So you can go to EnneagramInstitute.com read up on the numbers, see which ones resonate to you the most. Um, and then also the test, the IEQ nine is the best test. Um, it's 95% accurate and it really is just, if you want to take a test and get a write up, that's the one to take. Okay. That's a great place to start. It's the one that I took and really helped me. I felt like I was living in like a, um, Enneagram personality crisis for many years because I just was like, I don't think I'm a two, but this keeps saying I'm a two. Yeah, I did the same thing. I typed as a two. It took me did years. You really? to really? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, and you're I a seven. That's so, that's so different. It is so different. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, oh, I wish I was a two because then I wouldn't have to deal with any of my actual stuff. <laughs> oh, I read that too, that a lot of us, we will, if you, if you like your type, when you get 
the number, it's probably not your type. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. When I got four, I was like, oh my God. Because we get a bad rap for being so moody, right? Or just so emotional. Your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. But working on it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here, Sarah Jane. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. And you guys can check her out on Instagram. Are you on other social medias as Enneagram and Coffee as well? The Instagram and the podcast are where I um, most of the action happens for sure. Okay. And I love the little breakdowns you do on your Instagram. Like it'll be a different theme and you break down how each number would respond to that situation. It's such a good little daily thing. I love. Thanks. You guys check her out. And again, thank you so much. I hope everyone finds their true Enneagram number. (laughs) Thanks for listening. This is Kelly Henderson and you've been listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast. I truly believe that every one of us has a little velvet and a little edge. So it's so important to remember that to be strong, you must be soft too. Thank you so much for sharing in those stories with me. You can follow Velvet's Edge on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as velvetsedge.com. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me every Wednesday for more conversations on lifestyle, beauty, and relationships. Thanks for listening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.